Okay, let us pray together. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for another victorious week. We thank you for the breath that we have today and for the opportunity and the honor to meet in your house, O oh God. I pray, God, that as we're here today, that we'll approach your throne with humility and with gratitude. And I pray, God, now as you transition to your message, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, God, will be pleasing in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Lord, speak to us, Father. Cast aside every distraction at this time. For God, we are hungry and desperate to hear your voice. Lord, we lift up the service to you. Take all the glory and honor for yourself. All glory to your name. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, in my pray. And God's people pray. Amen and amen. Hello, Deep Roots family. Uh, it's been a while. It's been a week, and I missed you guys. And I'm glad to be here to share God's message with you. Uh, we have now three verses left. We're on chapter 4 of Philippians. But we're going to focus on two verses, verse 21 and 22. We now have two more sermons left. After today, next week will be our final with our Philippians series. So today marks Philippians chapter 13. And the title is called Family in Christ. Family in Christ. Let's go with today's passage found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 21 to 22. It says this, the title says, Final Greetings. And it says in verse 21, Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Let me read it one more time. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Philippians chapter 4, verse 21 through 22. Now with everything that's going around us, I believe that this is a very fitting message for the specific season that we are in today. Paul here in his writing, he's reminding the Christians in the Philippian church that not only are you members of Christ's body, but don't forget that Christians in Rome, where he is right now, where he is in prison, at the, at, in the place that he is in, that the place that he is in, that Christians in Rome also, where Paul stayed, where he was a prisoner, are also members of Christ's body. Do not forget that. Meaning while Paul was in prison, while he was waiting in trial for his trial, Paul reached out. I am sure he converted many people in Rome, which included slaves, fellow prisoners, palace guards, freemen who were once slaves and, no, and they're no longer slaves anymore. I'm sure Paul reached out the message of the gospel, the message of good news to these individuals. And Paul is saying all these individuals 
All these individuals who were exposed to Paul's teachings about Christ, that these individuals have now become part of a bigger family, the body of Jesus Christ. Paul here is sharing. He's sharing that even in my chains, even while in the midst of this prison, that the gospel, the good news, is spreading in Rome. God is using this situation right now for me to be able to speak to these slaves, to my fellow prisoners, to the palace guards, to the freemen. And Paul, he's using this opportunity to remind the Philippian church that the church is bigger than your own church, that we live in a universal of churches all around the world, overseas, who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, who are part of the body of Jesus Christ. Paul here is saying, in verse 21, verse 22, when he's saying, greet all God's people, all, not some, all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings, all God's people here, not just there in the Philippian church, but here, send your greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Paul here is saying, we are all family in Christ, all of us, for those who have faith and who acknowledge that Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior, that we all belong in the same family, that we are all family in Jesus Christ. Philippian Christians, Roman Christians, we're all one in Jesus Christ, that we're all in it together to finish the race together. Especially when you go on missions, when you go overseas, you see how big the church is, how big and amazing our Lord Jesus Christ is. Individuals who are living faithfully for the gospel, and also who are being persecuted for the sake and for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're reminded that the church is much bigger, that we are all connected. It's like Facebook. You know this person, that person, knows this person, that person. Somehow we are all connected, networked together, in a web, woven together in the blood that was shed for us, in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Meaning our faith in Jesus Christ cancels all cultural, all social, all economic, all financial barriers. Economic status doesn't matter where we, are, where we come from. Whether we're rich or poor, it doesn't matter that we are all connected in Christ Jesus under one banner, the banner of, of the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 to 29, it says this, So in Christ Jesus, that you are all, again, the word is all, not some, children of God through faith, for all of you who are baptized in Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all what? One, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I have three points for us. And I'm going to ask in a form of a question. And the first point and the first question is this. Are we not called to stand united in Christ? I'm going to say it again. Are we not called to stand united in Christ? Meaning, live in unity in Christ. Live in unity in Christ. Stand united. 
All it takes is one individual to spark change for the good or for the worse. One individual. All it takes is one individual. One city. One town. One nation. One country. One human race to make change. We see in the Tower of Babel, we see that the whole humankind, they all got together to create a tower as high that will reach the heavens so that they can be like God. And we see that if we're united, that we can stand for good or we can stand for evil. We could accomplish many good things or we can accomplish many evil things. And history tells us And history shames us because we're reminded that as human beings that we are not actually that great. During the Holocaust and World War II, in history.com, in the article it says, the word holocaust from the Greek word halos, whole and kastos, burned, was historically used to describe a sacrificial offering burned on an altar. Since 1945, the word has taken on a new and horrible meaning. The ideological and systematic state-sponsored persecution and mass murder of millions of European Jews, as well as millions of others, including gypsies and the intellectually disabled, dissidents and homosexuals by the German Nazi regime between 1933 and 1945. To the anti-Semitic Nazi leader, Adolf Hitler, Jews were an inferior race. I'll say that again. Jews were an inferior race in his mind. And it says, an alien threat to German racial purity and community. After years of Nazi rule in Germany, during which Jews were consistently persecuted, Hitler's final solution, now known as the Holocaust, came to fruition under the cover of World War II. With mass killing centers constructed in the concentration camps of occupied Poland, approximately 6 million Jews and some 5 million others targeted, targeted for racial, political, ideological, and behavioral reasons died on the Holocaust. More than 1 million of those who perished were children. We see that history is not kind to mankind. It should actually put us to shame. Another story we know in 1994, the genocide in Rwanda. If you haven't watched the movie, please watch the movie Hotel Rwanda. In history.com, in the article, it says genocide in Rwanda, Hutus versus Tutsis. Although the two ethnic groups were very similar, sharing the same language and culture for centuries, the law required registration based on ethnicity. The government and army began to assemble into ahame, meaning those who attack together and prepare for the elimination of the Tutsis by arming Hutus with guns and machetes. The radio stations in Rwanda were broadcasting appeals to the Hutu majority to kill all Tutsis in the country. The army and the national police directed the slaughter, sometimes threatening Hutu civilians and persuasions didn't work. Thousands of innocent people were hacked to death with machetes by their neighbors. Imagine that by your own neighbor. Despite the horrific crimes, the international community 
including the United States, hesitated to take any action. They wrongfully ascribed the genocide to chaos amid tribal war. President Bill Clinton later called America's failure to do anything to stop the genocide the biggest regret of his administration. An estimated 75% of the Tutsis living in Rwanda had been murdered. The massacre of an estimated 500,000 to 1 million innocent civilian Tutsis and moderate Hutus. Now with the question, with the point, are we not called to stand united in Christ? With the point, live in unity in Christ. I have two sub-points for us. Letter A, acknowledge that we are wrecked. Please repeat after me. Acknowledge that we are wrecked. After Noah, after the world was destroyed due to sin with the flood, we understand that sin, even though it was washed of evil people, we see that sin was right there. Sin had never left. Sin was right there, crouching at the door. That it was always there. That even though Noah was a righteous man, we see that sin enters not just through Noah, but through his sons, Ham, Shem, Jephthah. And we see that sin is something. It's not a joke that we play with that this is a serious issue that's been hunting us since the beginning of time, from the beginning of Adam and Eve. The issue is far deeper. It is far deeper. When I say it's deeper, it's far deeper than color versus color or a racial fight or even people of the same nationality and same color can be divided. Just because we come from the same family, same background, same last name, same blood. It doesn't guarantee that we will have peace. We've seen brokenness in our own homes. We see brokenness everywhere we go. We see brokenness in churches. We see brokenness everywhere in places growing up, witnessing things, even between our own parents and our family members. Just because you have the same color or of the same race does not guarantee peace. Because the issue is not about color versus color. The issue is not about the symptoms, putting a band-aid on a deeper root of the problem. For the symptom will come back if you don't tackle the root of the issue. The deep issue, the deep root of the problem, all these divisions are symptoms from a far deeper core of the issue. And it's sin and rebellion that has been hunting all of humanity since the beginning of time. And it goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, even to the Tower of Babel, the mindset that just to be like God, to be in control of my own life, that it is our sinful nature, our desire to become like God, to rebel, uh, that I want to control my own life, our own lives, thinking that we are like God, that somehow I am in control of my own destiny. In a sense, we are the choices that we make. In the end, we have to take responsibility for our actions and our decisions. But there's no way that we can become like God for we are finite beings. This flesh will one day finish and it will end. It will destroy all of us. And when we stand before God, 
what will he, what will, he, what will our Lord say to us, say to me? As long as I have status, as long as I have money, as long as I have fame, as long as I have popularity, as long as I have a lot of followers on social media, as long as people can see the image that I put myself, the image that I created in social media to show the world that I have made it. If I have respect, then I have made it. Are you forgetting that people, they will love you today and they will hate you tomorrow? That the love of people comes, comes and goes, it fluctuates. And if our worth and our identity and our foundation is based on these things, surely our lives are meaningless. What is life? What is purpose to my life if this is all I'm living for? I satisfy my hunger. I satisfy my thirst. I satisfy my lust with these temporary things. But it will leave me more empty, more hungry than ever before. My heart truly goes out for the youth of this generation. My heart goes out to my fellow peers, people of my age and my generation, people who are younger than me, people who are older than me. We see the state of the world that it's in, the churches and the young people, the things that they're being exposed to. We understand it's not just the media, it's not just the movie, it's not just the music. It's not just about the friends, but the issue is far deep, deeper than we think. It's the core of who we are. It's my sinful nature. And we have a big problem here, a huge problem. The truth is that we cannot fix ourselves with discipline and with good habits and discipline, putting discipline after discipline. Our human nature cannot change. That we human beings cannot fix and save ourselves. And woe to those who chase meaningless dreams, the pursuits, for they are all garbage in comparison to knowing the supreme worth of knowing our Lord Jesus Christ. They are nothing in comparison to knowing our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul actually says, going back, if you remember what Paul says, Going back to chapter before, what does he say? He says, with humility, and I pray that with humility, that we will be like Paul with humility. And as Paul said, Paul says this, he says, but whatever were gains to me, whatever were gains to me, I now, now, consider loss, meaning garbage, garbage for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And the second sub-point is this. Announce that there is an antidote. Announce to the world, proclaim to the world that there is an antidote, that there is an answer to this sickness, to this disease. 
Right now, we are seeing the devastating impacts of a physical disease with this pandemic. But the truth is that there is a disease, like I mentioned earlier, that is far greater than this physical disease. And there is no antidote. They're saying by the end of the year that they will have a vaccine. But with this disease, this disease caused sin, there is no antidote except for one. And his name is Jesus Christ. This disease, this curse, the curse of sin, the world has no cure for it. No amount of good work, no amount of kind deeds or hard work can attain, cannot save us. For at the end of the day, we are all sinners at the end of the day, and we all fall short of the glory of God. And the answer today, and, and the answer yesterday, and the, and the answer that was for the past, present, and, the, and this answer will be forever, for all of eternity, is the cross. That's the only answer, and that's the only solution. It's the death and the resurrection. And the answer is the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ, the blood that was shed for me, the blood that washes away all sin, all disease. Only the blood of Christ can wash me and save me from this death, this life of sin. Jesus Christ is the only answer and the hope that we have in this lifetime. There is no other answer. There is no other solution. No amount of meditation, no amount of positive thinking, no amount of help books, no amount of discipline, no amount of relationships, no amount of food, so many mukbang videos with people craving food, filling themselves with food, with emptiness, with sweets. No amount of these things, these temporary feelings, will satisfy us. Jesus Christ is the only answer and the hope that we have from this terrible, 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 terrible disease. Sin. That's why as Christians, we must cry out to him every single day. And as Christians, in order for us to be united in the body of Christ, we must submit to Jesus Christ every single day. As Christians, we must abide in Jesus Christ every single day day if your family member if you have a family member if your family member was dying from a disease and you had the antidote would you not offer it to them would you not give it with a joyful heart would you not offer them the antidote for them to be healed from this incurable disease I pray that we would understand that the only way that we can be cured from this terrible disease that we would know not just in our mind but we would know in our heart and believe in our heart with all of our hearts that Jesus Christ is the answer. That as Christians that we would have the same mind, the mind that Christ Jesus had. That we must stand united in this truth, in this foundation of the message 
of the gospel. Romans 15 verse 5 to 7 says this. Paul in his writing, he says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same mind, same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had. So that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Jesus could not stand the proud mind of the Pharisees with these priests who thought they were above the normal people. Rich there, poor people here. Jews there, the Gentiles here. Males there, females here. Adults there, children here. I remember growing up at church, they would always put the kids and they would always make the kids eat last and they wouldn't have, have a table for us. You guys eat over there, the adults eat here. You guys are not that important. But what was the mindset of Jesus? Same thing with the disciples. I guess it's the same thing throughout all history. Children are neglected. Children are overlooked. Disciples are like, no, 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 don't come to Jesus. But Jesus says, welcome them. Bring them to me. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. To have childlike faith. And we see that Jesus, the mind of Christ, was about standing united in the name and the banner of our Lord Jesus Christ. Even Paul, as he talks about the Lord's Supper, he's talking about you guys are too divided. The rich are not willing to eat with the poor. I've shared this story before when I've done the homeless shelter in Newark. You know, my friend Lewis, where we would be in the kitchen, I would see the kitchen is not in the best shape. You know, there would be things on the floor and, you know, the staff would go and they would go Subway and get the Subway and eat. And they say, come eat, but I would eat. Just felt in my heart that I would, I want to stay with Lewis with the food that's given from the kitchen. I just eat the burger and the things that they give. It's about standing united together. Standing together in Christ. Even if it means getting out of my comfort zone. Even if it means getting out of places that I'm used to. Stand together. Stand united. So what was the mind of Christ? The mind of Christ and remembering the question with point number one, what was the question? Are we now called to stand united in Christ? What was and what is the mind of Christ? And what will for all of eternity be the mind of Christ? Ephesians 1, chapter 3, verse 12 tells us this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, not just me, or about me. We live in an individual society about me as long as I'm happy. But here we're reminded that he who has blessed us, the body, in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and love. He predestined us for adoption to sonship 
through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves in him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ and him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory amen it's about us we stand together John chapter 17 verse 23 tells us I in them and you in me I'll say that again I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity can you repeat after me unity then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me going back to our main passage verse 21 to 22 greet all God's people in Christ Jesus the brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings all God's people send you greetings especially those who belong to Caesar's you must be completely humble and make every effort to stay united in Christ Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2 to 3 tells us be completely humble meaning low in loneliness and meekness gentle gentleness be patient long suffering bearing with one another in love make every effort meaning endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace is to keep meaning it takes work it takes work we must be intentional to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace and remember John 3 16 for God so loved the world the world that he loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life the world not just me it's not just about me or about my race or my people my family as long as my family is safe it's all good as long as the whole world suffers as long as I'm good as long as I'm doing okay but the rest of the church they're suffering or that one individual who are quiet they're lost quiet on their own they're hurting it's okay they're not that important they don't give that much offering it doesn't matter oh not a not an important person not that popular you stay over there it's not that important we're all united in Christ if one body part hurts then we are also hurting as well that is the mind and the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ that's the kind of attitude that we must have that in the kingdom of God there is no white there is no black there is no yellow there is no brown there is no red for we are all children of God who call out to him and who have faith and profess that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior 
that we all stand under one banner of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we are in it to finish together, that we are called to stand united. There is no first place. There is no second place. There is no third place. There is no such thing as last place. Even the last shall be first, it says. It's to make it to the finish line together. Remember the criminal who died with Jesus. He had faith in Christ and his death and his final breath. And Jesus said, I will remember you for you will be with me. We need each other. You need your fellow brother. You need your fellow sister to finish well together because I'm not in it just for me. We're in in this fight together. This isn't like a war where we have this, this one hero who goes and destroys everybody. You need someone to watch your back. And I need to watch your back. You need to watch my back as I watch your back. Only then can we stand together, can we stand strong, united, that we stand for the truth. Remembering that our, our team, that our team is only strong as its weakest link. You can be strong today, but you may be weak tomorrow. Who is the weakest link? If you need help today, seek, ask. Every role in the kingdom of God is crucial and important in the kingdom of God. We realize that we are in it together. We need to do it together, that we are in it together to finish the mission together. Every ministry responsibility, it's all important. Just because you feel like you're not playing a visible role in the front does not mean that it's not an important role. Every role is important in the kingdom of God. Every role is crucial in the kingdom of God. There is eternal value in every act of service that we do before God. Every chair that's put away, every dish that we do, every cup, every drink that we set up on the table. Each small act, every door that we open, every food that we help carry in, everything that we do. Each meal that we prepare, the heart that we give, each bake that we make. Everything that we do, a kind word. A simple hug, a high five, hello, a smile. It carries eternal value. There's eternal value in every act of service. Every key that is pressed for the next slide. Every chord that we play. Everything. For nothing will go unnoticed before God. Everything will be noticed in God's eyes. Whenever we do something for someone, whenever we do a kind act, your main, main name may not go on a plaque, or you may not get a pat on the back saying, good job every time. Doing things in secret and going unnoticed by the eyes of people has far greater honor in the kingdom of God. That's why it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 to 3, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. 
If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored, meaning praised by others. Truly I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, meaning whatever you did for the least of these, you did it for me. And God will say to us, you will be remembered and honored for all of eternity. For that is far greater honor than the praise of men and people. Always remember, people's applause, it amounts to nothing. Again, they will love you today, they will hate you tomorrow. Our first and foremost is about God. And then point number one with this passage, I know this point was a little long, but please bear with me and let's finish strong. If you can turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we've done this passage before. Specifically, I'm going to read from verse 12 to 30. It says this, Just as the body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Or the, on the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weak or, or indispensable and the parts that we see, that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Love is indispensable. And yet, I will show you the most excellent way. What is that? It's the word called love which leads to our point number two. It's a question. Are we not called? Are we not called to love one another in Christ? Are we not called to love one another in Christ? Meaning live in love in Christ. For love is everything. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2 to 6 tells us, be completely humble. As you read earlier, gentle, patient, bearing with one another in what? In love. Make every effort 
to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and the Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Again, in love. 1 Corinthians 13, it tells us that if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Pretty much saying without love, everything you do is useless. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be still. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when, I, when completeness comes, and what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of, my, of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror that we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And over all these virtues put on love. Love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace and be thankful. Be thankful. Again, it's about love. Love. Love and love. But this point I'm ending with this last passage that's found in Colossians chapter 3. And it tells us this. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Verse 14. Put on love, for it is the greatest virtue of all. Amen. Which leads to our last point, point number three. And it's a question. And I'm closing with this. Are we not called to live as family members in Christ? I'll say it again. Are we not called to live as family members in Christ? Live as family in Christ. Love one another. For so many of us, we don't understand what that means because we come from broken families. We come from broken homes. We've seen the broken relationships even from our own family members with our own parents. And we ask ourselves, what is family? I have no idea what family means, for I grew up in a broken home. 
And I'm going to end with what I began in the intro before the points. And with everything that's happening around us, I believe with all my heart that this is a fitting message for this season, for this specific season. Let's go back to our passage, verse 21 to 22. Let's go ahead and recap what it says in chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, verse 21 to 22. It tells us this. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Not only were the members in the Philippine church Christians, but Paul is reminding the Philippine church again, listen, the people here, they're also my brothers and my sisters, and they belong, they belong, and they're part of your family, God's family. Your family is God's family. And the question, are we not called to live as family members in Christ? Paul considered his fellow prison mates, the slaves, the freedmen, the palace guards. Doesn't matter what color or the status, their social standing and their economic standing. It didn't matter. He's reminding us that we are all part of a big picture. And that's the picture of God's family, the family of Jesus Christ. All these individuals who were exposed to Christ's teachings through Paul and who submitted their lives, who gave their lives to Jesus Christ, they're part of this family. So I pray that we will remember the people that we have encountered over the years, the honor and the privilege that we have had the honor to meet overseas during mission trips, fellow Christians who we work with, fellow individuals who have the same faith as you, who challenge you and you challenge them. For our fellow brothers and sisters in our church, let's thank God and praise God and remember that, that we are all part of God's family, not forgetting that we are all part of the body of Christ, that we are all part of a bigger picture, as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That we are all part of one body, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. That we are all in it to win together. That there is no first that there is no second or third, that we are all heirs of Abraham's seed, of God's blessing. That's why it says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 to 29, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you, who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according 
to the promise. Church, church, we are called to be family in Christ. And we are. You are my brother and you are my sister. And we are in this fight together. I am there for you and you are there for me. And I pray that we will be a community, that we will have this kind of confidence in one another, that we will have that kind of trust in each other, that we are in it together to finish the race together, that through Jesus Christ, that you are my brother, that we are now brothers and sisters in Christ. We have become real family in Christ. Again, so in Christ Jesus, you are all, you are all children of God through faith, all of us. Amen. Can you close your eyes with me? And let us pray together. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would teach us and you instill within us love for one another. I pray, God, that we will keep the unity of the Spirit to keep the bond of peace that is found under your name. I pray, God, that we be a church that is found in the banner of our Lord Jesus Christ, that, God, that our love will not come from our own selfishness, but it will come from the unending wealth that comes from the unconditional love, the agape love of our Father in heaven. Lord, let us remember today that, God, that you have called us to stand united in Christ, that we are called to live in unity in Christ, that, God, that we are called to live in love in Christ. That, God, that we are called to live as family in Christ. Let us not forget that, God, the answer and the antidote that we have is our Lord Jesus Christ. That, God, that you are the answer. That you are the only hope that I have. That you're the only hope that our church has. That you're the only hope that our community has. That you're the only hope that this city has. That you're the only hope that my family has. Or this community has. Or this nation has. Or this world has. God, you're the only hope. Only you can save us. You are the answer, God. Only the blood of Jesus Christ can wash away our sins. So God, we look to you, God, at this time. Holy Spirit, come. Instill within us conviction and compassion and courage to always stand for what is right. And what is right is according to your will, is according to your word. Lord, let us be bound in love. Lord, let us put on love. Lord, we look to you, God. We love you. We thank you. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, in my prayer. And God's people pray. Amen and Amen.